Thanks, Jeff. Happy Friday, everyone. Um, my a, a couple years ago, uh, my company, I work for a hotel software company. We acquired a competitor. At the time, we only had 400 accounts and the competitor had 1,500 uh, uh, accounts. So we made an aggressive decision to sunset the competitor's product and move everyone onto our platform. So we very quickly had to change from being a very high touch implementation process and physically traveling all over the world to train in person to training at scale of 1500 customers onto our platform. So we invested in a tool called Articulate 360, which does a certification video training. It is an investment and it does take some design uh, and some vocalization, <laughs> you know, you have to kind of record all of the training, um, but it was a, a great investment uh, in terms of making it very self-service, but we also paired it with doing a series of webinar trainings in which uh, clients could sign up to attend the webinars and could actually be in a group with other clients on video like we are here. And what, what resulted is that we built a customer community around this. So customers met each other as they were onboarded onto the new platform. We had multiple facilitators gating any negative feedback or gating any you know, rabbit hole conversations to, to keep it at bay. Um, but it was, it was a great combination of, of giving them a self-service tool, but also creating a community and giving that high touch training remotely at scale. So I recommend finding kind of that middle ground of, of both. Awesome. And that, um... And that experience for you too, you mentioned kind of having uh, that experience with Articulate 360 kind of all, you know, a lot of video driven and like kind of embedded into uh, that experience. Was there, uh, I guess, were you finding that the discussion in kind of that community aspect was, um, I guess, was a lot less about specific things in the product and platform was, and became a lot more about kind of the role that they were in, the strategy that they were defining. And so uh, I guess, did you find that that was the, the key, I guess, between those two things is that there was something that very specifically walked them through the product and then you could have an avenue to talk about like more strategic conversations with your peers? Well, we, we learned quickly, um, you know, that we needed to really uh, gate the conversations, right? So when, when it would start to go down a path that we didn't want it to go down, especially when you're, you're changing tools, there was some animosity there. We were taking away a tool and replacing, a, you know, with a new tool. Uh, so having multiple people facilitate the conversations and starting the conversation with more of the strategic side, right? So you're, you're training users, but you could also put yourself into their shoes and their use case and inform them on how this is going to make their job easier and start to ask open-ended questions that can side into more strategic, long-term gaining value from the product and, and creating a community for what the customer's needs were. Yeah. You've got to do it. Right. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting the more that we uh, start talking about this because there's like this uh, avenue now you've got education combining with community, combining with support, combining with onboarding, right? There's so many different things that are now coming to like the precipice of like, how do you introduce this to a customer? Like what takes precedent? What's important? Um, so I think that's, that's the, I don't know, that's interesting hearing more and more stories as we go through this. So, um, Andreas, looks like you have your hand raised. Yes. Um, to add on, uh, what Madeline just said, um, in regards to, Kind of outsourcing in a in a sense the uh, um, onboarding experience uh, so that um, the engineering team could more focus on some of the other aspects than trying to integrate a tool like a pen or something like that so um, for an smb solution i also established a community um, and uh, in that community it was uh, particular for new customers so an onboarding co community with a set curriculum and it had basically lessons in the lesson plan in there uh, designed around getting used to the product very quickly having some early su successes and then also having this community aspect right of people collaborating with each other having these 
kind of cohorts celebrating when people achieve milestones and then also monitoring if someone got stuck at a particular lesson or wasn't making any progress um, with uh, telemetry back to the CSMs to reach out to folks and um, try to facilitate in some more in-person touch um, experiences. And that um, helped uh, a lot, um, like I said, to avoid the animosities between customer success saying to engineering, no, we need all this kind of stuff. And they're like, well, we have other things on our plate that are more important. Awesome. I appreciate you sharing that, uh, Andreas. And it sounds like starting to starting to see some similar themes though. People, sounds like community is becoming quickly a um, an aspect that, you know, you can get new customers into, start uh, introducing them to the product, get them introduced to, to peers and cohorts who are uh, doing similar things. So um, awesome. Nick, looks like you've got your hand raised. Hello. Yes. Hi. Nice to, nice to meet everyone. Um, just to touch on the point that Andreas just mentioned about the Eng team, one solution that I've used in the past that I really enjoyed was AppQs. Um, I was just talking about in the group. It's like Clippy, the old school Microsoft Office, except for like new softwares. So um, it really, besides some initial setup with the dev team, after that, you can build it out completely on your own. And it really helped us um, build out onboarding flows and help self-service to take care of some of the lower um, value items that we still needed our clients to do. So things like how do you guide them to create their team accounts? How do you guide them to update their credit card information? How do you guide them to create their first action that they need on your platform to get the desirable outcome. And we um, put that in tandem with um, Outreach IO to have the manual outreach points. If we saw that a user didn't do their desired outcome in a certain period of time, it would automatically launch outreach sequences and emails. So that way we can have reps manually follow up to help the self-service folks. Yeah, um, I love that. And I love trying to get the them to work in tandem, especially if you can get the data flowing right. It always is gonna be really helpful. Um, one, one thing that I'm uh, sitting here thinking about too, just as uh, a larger group as well, I think we've all kind of talked about, you know, leading the customer to do things inside of the platform. Like how have you identified during that onboarding experience? Like what are some of those time to first value or what are those value moments where you're actually designing, like where you're actually getting them to go do something? It feels like there's, you know, you're leading them to that outcome. I'm curious if anybody's got experiences of, uh, you know, trying to identify that, um, how you're, you know, making sure that that's the right kind of moment of value or, you know, if you're training them to go do something, like how does that kind of fit into the bigger picture um, as you've done that? Chad, looks like you got your hand raised. Um, well, I'm curious too, because I feel like I've been at a couple different industries where it's a balance of time to value and also stickiness. So from a product perspective and adoption, it's trying to find the right mix of a feature that's going to either keep them in or keep them coming back while also providing initial value. So that's always the balance I try and find. Um, but if you're lucky enough to have data, especially Pendo data on what's been used in your product already, the data should really tell you. Um, I've struggled with Pendo, at least I don't know if anybody else, about working with engineering to make sure it's giving me the right sense of what user activity that means. So there's a lot of generic data of, of clicks, but it's a, the, the devil's in the details to actually uh, siphon out. But I'd say for me, any feature that triggers more notifications from the software to pull you back in is one I prioritize. Um, so in the case of the software I work on, there's a, a project sense that you set up alerts so they've already had to see value to decide who to put in that project folder. Um, so guiding them through finding that initial right uh, profile. But from there, it's finding features that are going to pull them back in. So that's kind of the approach I've taken in the past. Awesome. Appreciate you sharing that, Chad. Yeah, I think we're we're going through that similar kind of definition process, you know, trying to figure out like what's 
what's appropriate, how do we get them uh, kind of locked into the right things so that there's initial value they're getting, but it also, you know, what are those steps right after that that are bringing them back um, and how do we can coordinate that again, kind of using in product is, is the big question that we're, we're asking ourselves. Um, Dave, looks like you've got your hand raised. Yeah, so just along those lines, I have this hunch and I have not tested this or proved this out at all, but um, one of the things that I would like to do is to reflect that progress back to the user and then maybe even compare them to their peers within a specific cohort so that, you know, kind of challenge them a little bit. Like 90% of the people who have great experiences with our tool, set of tools and services are at this point, you're beating them, you're going to get a t-shirt at the end of the day kind of thing. <laughs> I don't even know if you have to give give them a t-shirt. I think you can probably relay back the value and the, you know, back to the, the outcomes they're gonna be able to drive. Um, but yeah, I love that. Um, that's a good, I feel like I always get motivated that way. Um, you know, there's some apps out there that do that, especially for, for other things. Um, weight loss, you know, whatever it might be. Loom, I think does some of that stuff um, pretty well in their, their app in a B2C app environment. Um, curious if anybody's kind of followed that, anybody kind of playing back results to their customers, um, especially through that onboarding process. Go ahead, Sama. Just one comment um, in response to Dave, um, you know, your comment. Um, one thing that we implemented in the past when I was at Thought Industries for a lot of our own customers, we were, were uh, you know, I'm no longer there, but it's a learning technology company, um, was a learner dashboard and a leader dashboard. So you can kind of overlay the two to that point. And then you can, you know, using different kind of profile tags, allow, you know, users that are similar to one another to kind of have exposure to kind of progress of other users. So that's one simple approach that you can leverage, probably any LMS for, but um, I'm sure there are other external kind of point solutions that can help do that too. Awesome, appreciate you sharing that, um, Sam, that's a good one. Uh, David, looks like you got your hand raised. Yeah, I'm working with a company right now that wants to put some sort of recognition back into their software, similar to, if you remember the early days of GPS software, uh, if it tells you that to make a turn and after you make a turn, it gives you a ding, nice job. You've made the turn I told you to make, um, right? What they want to do is they want to incorporate best practices in their software. And then they want to track how many of those best practices the customer actually uses and takes advantage of. And then they want to reward them some way for using that best practice that was put out there. Um, and we're trying to figure out the best tool to, to help them do that. Um. That's awesome. Because at the end of the day, too, I mean, if you can tie that back, if you can tie the best practice back also to the outcomes and the data that you're you're able to leverage, then too, I'm sure that that obviously creates a snowball effect, right? The stories that come out of that are probably pretty powerful. Absolutely. And then you can use that to sell that functionality to somebody else. Awesome. Um, yeah, that's a good, uh, that just <laughs> rang for me after 30 seconds. But yeah, that, that rings true. Um, perfect. Well, we've talked about onboarding a little bit. Um, you know, it sounds like a lot of organizations now, it sounds like a lot of it is, um, how do you kind of envelop this uh, community type experience at the beginning? How do you make sure and get some of this in product uh, experience? We've heard kind of embedded videos. Uh, it sounds like guided walkthroughs. Chris had talked a lot about, um, you know, trying to find some of those measurements uh, and kind of those windows of, of where people might be falling behind to try and keep up. Uh, anything else you want to throw out there um, before we jump maybe to the next topic? Give like three or four seconds. Awkward silence. Sorry, Jay. Um, Awesome. All right. Well, uh, the next question that I had uh, written down for us was just around how do you, how are you leveraging product data to surface insights kind of directly in the product as well. So I think uh, actually Brian and I talked about this a lot. You know, there's um, you know how can we kind of use that product data to get proactive with customers? We're seeing trends that maybe are positive, negative. How are we kind of surfacing that? Um, you know, back to them, almost back to David's point too. If there's best practices they should be using, are we able to capture that data and play it back? So I'm curious if anybody has any stories about. 
uh, ways that they've done that, you know, data that you've leveraged, um, how you've kind of brought that back to bear, maybe for some customers through kind of in-product experiences, whether that's, you know, pop-ups, dashboards, walkthroughs, uh, whatever that might be. But anybody, anything come to mind for anybody here? Going once before we start calling on people. Nobody? Nobody's got one? Not even one story? Come on. I don't have to get people Jeff, up I, I actually, in, in, in the, uh, the group chat, I noticed that um, Melissa, Melissa Van oh. Delt, it, it looks like she's doing something fairly interesting called Success Snapshot. I don't know if Melissa, I don't want to put you on the spot, but that sounds super interesting. I'd love to learn more. Melissa, you just get put on the spot. You're still on mute, Melissa. <laughs> Here we go. Can you hear me? Yeah, okay. we gotcha. Yeah, so we we do something that I think is really effective at Seismic. We it, we use our own technology, which is called live technology, and it's essentially a presentation builder where we can pull and leverage data sources from all different points of data. And so what we have built out for our customers is we can show usage adoption, what features they're using, and we can compare it and correlate it to what features we know are super sticky, what features are going to drive the biggest value. We compare them to different cohorts um, and, and look at, hey, well, this is what you're doing today. This is our maturity curve. This is where you fall. This is what we need to do with very specific data-driven steps to move them in the right direction to help them mature their sales enablement practice or their automation practices um, and so when we go into QBRs, we have very data-driven talking points to talk to our customers about with data-driven actions that they can take over the next quarter to move them along and mature their practices. Man, I love that so much. Um, and I think it kind of resonates too with what uh, David was saying as maybe his holy grail, David Edlin was talking about, you know, what are, how do we have this maturity model? How do we have best practices that we can then measure um, against what for you, uh, this is a bad question to ask, but uh, I'm just going to ask it anyways. But how hard was it to to bring all those data sources to bear? Like, how did you go about that process? Was it just starting with one data source and then moving out from there? Like, how did you kind of tackle what I think is maybe the big question, which is like the data? Uh, is the data right? Is it accurate? And how do I get it? Um, so curious how you kind of approached it from that angle. Yeah. Um many iterations, many versions. We've definitely evolved over time from our V1 snapshot to where we are today. Um, you know, I think we first had to have a significant number of implementations, successful implementations, poor implementations to truly understand like what is what is going to be valuable to our customers, what what works, what doesn't work. Um, to start to then be able to correlate like usage to success, I think that took some time. Um, in terms of you know. We're fortunate enough that the majority of all of our data is stored in Snowflake. So we have all these different tables that we can use and leverage and, and um, you know, correlate with one another to bring into this success snapshot for customers. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't say this happened overnight. You know, I would say this has been an evolution over the last three years, really. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to ask you two more questions and then I'll, I'll let you off the spot and uh, we'll let you go on. But uh, how often do you play that snapshot for them? Is it just any time that they're kind of falling behind in that maturity curve or is it at specific kind of moments across their customer journey? Like how often does that happen? Yeah, I mean, we always we have quarterly business reviews. So it's standard practice that we are always reviewing the success snapshot on the quarterly business reviews. We also have alerts. So we use Gainsight CS 
um, product as well. So we have alerts to, to understand if adoption or logins are starting to um, decrease and we need to re-engage with the customer. Um, we have sentiment scores that we're constantly looking at and, and monitoring. Um, so we use it, we use it pretty heavily. Um, I, when you say like, if people are falling behind, I think the unique thing with maturity is that based off of who you, you are as a customer and your profile, your size, um, maturity might be one thing to, yep. you know, IBM versus one of our smaller commercial customers. And so we have to really um, be flexible and, and understand what maturity means to different segments and adapt the success snapshot, snapshot that way as well. So um, it's, I think that the unique thing is the framework is so um, scalable and, and it can be applied across all of our just different segments. Yeah. That's, um, I do like that a lot. And I like the, um, how you mentioned that it's, you know, something consistent you can do across the board, right? The snapshot now means something inside the organization. Like everybody probably has an understanding of what it is, what customers are being sent, why it's there. So, um, I love that. I know Sarah, um, asked you a question, but I'll let you answer that in chat. You don't have to, uh, I'll take you off the spot, but Sarah was asking if that's in app or if you're, if you have CSMs deliver kind of that snapshot. Um, and then I think there was another question maybe to you as well, Melissa, if you want to answer in the chat, if you don't mind, but like sure. some of the technology used to power, um, some of those experiences would be fun to, to hear too. So. Sure. Yeah, I'll go ahead and, and post them all in the chat. Awesome. Tyler, Mr. Airhorn, Sellhorn himself. Bow, bow, bow. <laughs> How's it going, sir? Well, what I just wanted to, first of all, I, I wanted to celebrate uh, just, just the, the GGR uh, community here. Uh, I just want to say thank you to Jeff and Jay for being, you know, the, the, the self-starters, innovators, initiators. Uh, thank you very much for the opportunity to be learning together, learning out loud. Um, together. The, the thing that I wanted to share about is that um, one of the things that our, our software, we're, we're time tracking project management, you know, kind of kind of proof of work stuff. And we have a broad use case, you know, broad set of use cases. So, you know, the thing that we're doing on the way in the door is we're asking industry, we're asking what they're hoping to accomplish, you know, wh which features are interesting to them based on, like, like, we're not asking that question necessarily at the beginning, but we're, you know, on the tech touch size, we are saying to them, hey, what, what, is, what are the goals that you're trying to accomplish? What, what did you hear from marketing that made you interested in trying out Hubstaff? Well, okay, so then we have a set of like, here are the steps to accomplishing those goals. And that's like in the dashboard as they re-log in. And you know, the, the thing that we're starting to do now is that, okay, that started a process of, of, of us learning that, okay, like we're not actually gonna be using that anymore. Like it really just you know revealed to us that we need to be segmenting the product, right? That we need to have like different versions of Hubstaff for people to be marketed to, because you know the the, the pe people didn't know what it was that they needed to be choosing. So I think one of the things that you need to be learning is is like even going into that metacognitive space above even like like a customer success side of thing, like like to say okay, what what is coming in the door for uh, from marketing. And, and what, what can we actually deliver with the product as it is? And kind of having that layer inside, you, know, you can use your in-product um, data, like, like we've been talking about the gamification or like reflecting back, you know, like giving the, the success snapshot type of thing. Like you can see like, like, okay, this might mean some things for people outside of the customer success uh, uh, group. You know, when we say, okay, people don't know what things to select when they come in the door to, to, to talk to us. Okay, well that means that we need to have a different kind of communication happening in the marketing side and on the flip side what are the dots we're trying to connect to on the product side so i i just wanted to you know say like okay there's there's that there's that other kind of like you know you know, you know um thinking about instead of thinking in as well to be be done in this in this uh process of thinking about in product communication yeah 
Um, no, I think Brian and I touched on that a little bit and just in our little one-on-one conversation as well, you know, thinking about um, how are we uh, almost, we were talking about, you know, Spotify year in review as like such a big thing that probably blew up everybody's social media, right? So how do you kind of create those types of experiences? Uh, and so then, you know, how are we not only uh, kind of taking and making these experiences for customers, but then how are we kind of breaking that back down and for our marketing and sales friends to be using? How can we start um, thinking about that? The other thing that we talked about a bunch too, and I think Melissa mentioned this a lot in her her response just around the, the personas, do we have the right people? Um, you know, this has to be kind of a personalized experience. This can't just be a, a one size fits all, um, certainly. And if we can use the technology to do that, then that's going to be um, leveraging that there. So um, I appreciate that too. Um, Evan, looks like you got your hand raised. You want to throw something in here? Yeah, definitely. Uh, oh. How's it going, everyone? Um, I'm actually, I jumped in a little late, so I don't know if this has been said already, but uh, I come from the product world, so I'm a, I'm a PM kind of like on the other, I guess, side of the pond. And so it's, it's really uh, cool and interesting to hear all these stories. Um, I think one, th to kind of bounce off of what uh, Tyler said, um, when, so I, I used to work uh, at an enablement company where we basically had admins, we had, you know, you're like your sales reps and your sales managers. And so I think uh, one key thing to think about when we surface our product data is to uh, segment them out, like someone said, by like the user journeys and what may be successful or a, you know, successful criteria for one may be the start of another one. So for example, um, admins would upload enablement material or, you know, like lessons, things like that. And they're actually not successful until the learners complete that, right? So their sort of like checkpoint is, hey, great, I've uploaded it. Um, but what makes them a superhero at their position is when everyone kind of goes through it with 100% completion. So I think like, uh, yeah, like the previous person said, being able to slice it in a different way um, to say like, hey, this specific functionality of the product uh, is successful uh, or has a successful KPI for X persona, but this Y persona may be something completely different. Just being cognizant of that is super important. Yeah. And I love the point you, um, you just mentioned in there too, of also having like, um, you know, there's um, the different moments of value. Like we need to be able to articulate those and probably tell the story between them, right? If one's not happening, the other one's not going to happen or vice versa. Like what's the relation between some of these data points that we're actually talking? Uh, I think sometimes that gets lost, right? The story of the data is, is just as important as the data itself. Yeah, totally. Awesome. Uh, anybody, any other examples anybody want to throw out there? Uh, just kind of thinking about surfacing product data, anything that you're, doesn't have to be an app, but like anything that you're, you're doing similar to what Melissa is doing, you know, trying to surface uh, kind of maturity models or where people are in terms of, um, you know, product maturity, where their metrics are trending, anything that you guys are sending out that's, that's even just curious to uh, put out there. Uh, I'll throw that out there just for a minute and then um, might jump into the next, next question we have here. Going once, twice. All right. Well, uh, oh, go ahead, Sean. Oh, you're on mute. Sorry. I unmuted myself. It looks like someone muted me again. Anyways, uh, hey guys. Hey, hey, Jeff. Um, this came up in the questions, and I just shared a brief comment around, uh, you know, something I was able to do at a previous company where, uh, you know, I was searching for a tool, uh, but also had very limited resources at the time, and ended up using, you know, some limited usage data we had in our uh, you know, data warehouse, and uh, you know, built some dashboards. You know, obviously none of that uh, enabled proactive uh, automation, but uh, had created some templates in Mixmax that our CSMs were able to use to, to reach out to customers, you know, based on, um, you know, how they wanted to prioritize their portfolio in our dashboard. So I'm actually curious to hear, it's my guess is there are a lot of other folks that are also uh, maybe have other priorities or limited budgets, you know, other creative avenues folks have pursued where, you know, maybe Pandora walk me would have been the ideal, you know, uh, you know, goal to shoot for, but you had to maybe sell for something uh, more cost effective in the, in the interim. 
Yeah, I, I would imagine there's probably going to be a litany of uh, of things going off in the chat window. I'm hoping that of people listing out some solutions or ways that they've had to get creative. Uh, I was on a call the other day where somebody said Excel is the still the tool that still keeps on kicking. Somebody's going to um, mention it, I'm sure, um, in some form or, or fashion. But um, but yeah, I think that's that's such a good point, um, Sean. You know, like what not only do we have the right solutions, but also like how do we work within the solutions we have already? Um, I know that's something that we're always thinking about right now too. Like we've already got some marketing automation software. Uh, we leverage Gainsight. We've got Pendo. So like you know, we've kind of got a, a number of tools that we can leverage, but how are we um, just thinking about that Excel? Excel will live on forever, of course. Um, I love it. Well, uh, maybe the last question we'll dive into and um, and talk about here a little bit is just, uh, you know, how are you creating more seamless experiences to like other platforms? So again, I think um, us being a community, uh, community software, this is a uh, selfish question because we've got a community, we have an academy for training, we've got uh, support, we've got a knowledge base. And so, um, I'm curious if, if you're trying to bring those experiences together kind of in product as well. I know uh, Pendo obviously has resource center, which can pull in a, a ton of things into kind of that admin experience that um, becomes beneficial. But I think one of the things that we're always trying to, to learn from our customers about and here is, you know, uh, or one thing we don't want to hear, right. is disparate experiences. I feel like I have to go to different sites. I don't know where to go. And so I'm curious how you all uh, maybe are solving that challenge as well, kind of bringing together uh, all the resources to bear for customers uh, and trying to create some seamless experiences. Um, and if there's something that you guys are leveraging would be, would be fun to learn about uh, here for the next couple of minutes. And I Adam, might call on. I would love Adam to, I'd love to hear from you on what you did at Optiverse, because I think that was such a seamless experience across four different platforms. If you could share that would be awesome. Oh, because you got called on now you want me to get called on too. <laughs> no, that's great. I love it. Uh, like a true training facilitator. Um, hi everyone. My name is Adam Evermescu and I lead enterprise customer education at Slack. Previously, uh, I built up the customer education teams at Optimizely and Checker. So what Melissa is referring to is specifically the work that we did at Optimizely back in the day where um, we, we saw this exact problem where our customers learning resources were all over the place. We had education sprawl. And so uh, while we had originally built up uh, a knowledge base and that was getting incredible SEO, and in fact, sometimes it was outranking our corporate site in terms of uh, leads generated, which was really cool in a way, but also not necessarily yeah. always an appropriate experience for the customer. Um, we started to branch out and then we had a learning site, which eventually you know, moved on to a, a customer learning management system. Uh, we had a community which was hosted in Lithium and we realized we needed to pull all of these pieces together and make it a seamless single pane uh, experience for the customer. So we ended up building uh, a site called Optiverse, which was essentially a kind of a federated landing page that had the kind of the top content and articles for the customer from each of those different sites. And some people took that browse first uh, approach, but we also wanted to make sure that it was appropriate for a search first approach. So we used a kind of a custom solar search bar at the top that federated results from each of those uh, different properties into the same search so that it made it really easy for customers both to see at a glance what was available to them in terms of learning and help and community, which are all fundamentally related to each other, um, but also that they could search when they were looking for something specific. Now, the one thing I would add on to that is, you know, you can build the nicest landing page in the world with the nicest federated search in the world. And that's still not how a lot of people are actually finding your content. So as we continued looking at our analytics and as we continue talking to our customers, we realized there are two places that we have to continue to optimize for. One is uh, organic search. So our SEO efforts became more important, even though we had this property called Optiverse that made it really simple for a customer to just go and land somewhere and find the content. We still had to really think about how they were searching for things in Google because more people are still going to use Google than whatever custom federated search you come up with. The second one was 
people coming from within the product. A lot of people don't know to search for something or to go to Optiverse until um, they've actually had some experience uh, using the product. So we were actually very early users of Pendo. Um, in fact, I was saying in our small group that our first account manager at Pendo was one of their co-founders. Um, they've grown a, <laughs> they've grown a lot good. since then, but uh, we used Pendo to essentially strip out our, our old in-product onboarding and replace it with one that was um, less of a, a one and done and a little bit more reactive to steps that customers taking during their onboarding journey uh, and also hit some of the, the key points um, beyond just a product tour that we knew would bring customers to first value. So I can oh stop gosh. there for a moment. I can answer other questions, but that's, that's what we did. That was good. Um, somebody, uh, Damien had a question said, did you build Optiverse in-house or leverage something off the shelf like uh, LifeRay or Coveo in terms of the, sounds like the federated search part, especially I think is what Damien was mentioning. Yeah. Um, and we had actually looked at a few federated search providers. Um, at least at the time, the technology was not where we wanted it to be in terms of user experience um, versus price. So we ended up actually working with an agency called Grisidi Interactive to build a, a custom solar search on top of the site. Um, and the rest of it was essentially front-end dev built on a custom lithium page, although it could have been any of the platforms that hosted it, um, that then linked to the other, uh, the other properties. And using CSS uh, and front-end dev, we were able to build uh, essentially the same uh, top navigation uh, and uh, the same federated search across each of the different sites. And eventually we added a sidebar, but it was essentially just using the same front-end dev across all of those different properties, even though one was being hosted in an LMS platform, one was being hosted in Zendesk, one was being hosted in Lithium. Yeah, at least create the illusion of, of uh, one seamless experience, you know, even if uh, if nothing else, which is even um, part of the, the challenge. Um, and then Chad had a question, have you used Pendo's permalink function? Chad, can you remind, can you, can you uh, give me a little bit more detail on that or remind me what that is? It's been yeah, a while the, since we're using Pendo. The part I'm running into is there's a couple cooks in the Pendo kitchen and we had a lot of new features and company news. So what happened is uh, message overload between Pendo and Intercom when new users came in. And right now my understanding is Pendo can only create limited views based on what it knows. So a segment you told it or an individual user in action, but I've got folks coming on in waves of onboarding. And so what I'm trying to do is use permalinks in an onboarding nurture email. So when they click on it and get brought into the product, they're also brought to just a specific guide that's not built off of rules about how long you've been in there and how you've done other things, but I know they're gonna get the guide that makes them do that one product task when they click it from the email. So that's what I'm trying to build right now. I just wasn't sure if you've had experience with it. That's a really good question. I don't remember, we, we didn't use that at first, I have a vague uh, memory that we may have added it into our uh, initial CS nurture emails uh, closer to the end of, of my time there. But really the way that we were handling it first was we were doing it based on um, triggers within the product where when a customer would first engage with a feature that we knew would drive value, um, we would pop up the, the modal related to it. But we had built uh, a welcome space. It, I mean, it was similar to an intercom widget at the time where we were essentially using it as the onboarding checklist. And that was based on uh, a methodology that we develop, developed, which is like the, the the six steps to learn optimizely. Awesome, thank you, man, Adam. You uh, you seem like you're going to be somebody we come ask more questions to. So, um, if anyone's interested, I did write a book on customer education. It's called Customer Education. You can find it on Amazon. <laughs> Perfect. That's the best. That's the the uh, best plug ever. Uh, after I love that, I wrote a book about what we're talking about right now. So. <laughs> Seems relevant. Uh, appreciate Melissa calling that out too. Uh, you know, she's getting back at you. Uh, Chris, Chris Detzel too mentioned uh, Grisidia now has enterprise search. Uh, I know we're pretty familiar with Grisidia as well. They do great work. Um, 
Awesome. Well, I know uh, we're about, we've got some time left if there's any other questions or things that, that people are, are thinking about, but uh, in terms of things that I've just picked up or learned today, you know, um, again, talking about that onboarding experience sounds like there's a ton that people are leveraging around uh, introducing to community, kind of a new community uh, for new, new users to get onboarded to, to uh, work with one another, kind of a similar cohort. You know, uh, other people talked about using uh, tools, obviously, for some of the guided onboarding experiences, um, trying to find ways that you can leverage data to see, um, you know, where they are, if they're behind. Um, talking about first time to value, uh, had a couple other things just around surfacing uh, customer insights. So uh, learning from Melissa and some of the uh, what she's been able to pull in terms of data sources together, uh, putting together that uh, kind of maturity model, looking at where customers are, uh, seems like a really big hit for people here as well. And then the last is just uh, learning from from Adam here about uh, trying to create cohesive experiences across these uh, these platforms that you have. If you can, you know, how can we create uh, similar headers, footers, uh, federated search? How do you just create that illusion of uh, similar experiences, even though it's going to be hosted in different places? So um, I think there's a lot that I've just written down here in notes. Um, I appreciate everybody joining and coming to to do this. I'm probably going to uh, have something like this again uh, here pretty soon because we're going through uh, maybe just to give some some broader context. You know, we're going through right now and trying to um, to do pretty much all of these things that we've talked about. So uh, just trying to create more seamless experiences between our community support uh, and our education. And then at the same time, like we've just got a, a big ability. We've got Pendo. We've, we've bought it for a number of years, haven't really leveraged it fully. And so I think there's just a, a ton of opportunity for us to drive a lot of this stuff uh, in product. And so um, I appreciate everybody sharing some insights and uh, sharing some experiences in the past. This has been beneficial for me and uh, appreciate Adam, Melissa, Chad, Sean, others uh, who joined in and, and uh, came off mute to help us talk through this and uh, we'll hope to do this again soon. Hey guys, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Talk to you soon.